Welcome to Essential Dynamics. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Hudson. Welcome to the Essential Dynamics podcast. In the Essential Dynamics podcast, we explore the concepts of essential dynamics, uh, a framework for thinking that I've been developing. And uh, we enjoy having deep conversations with uh, interesting people. In season three of the podcast, we're focused on focusing on helping leaders of organizations uh, get unstuck, get clear on their challenges and their opportunities and help them with their quest. Today, I'm really excited to have uh, a friend, uh, a colleague with me, uh, Chris Labossier, who's uh, uh, an Edmonton um, entrepreneur who's been involved in a number of different ventures and uh, has all kinds of great stories. So, Chris, welcome to the show and thanks for coming. Thank you, Derek. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, well, anytime I get a chance to chat with you about these kind of big, you know, fun, interesting conversations, maybe not always for everybody, but for entrepreneurs or for, you know, owners of uh, uh, operational, you know, companies like ours, it's uh, it's always fun to, uh, you know, talk to uh, somebody about the kind of big stuff you don't often think about every day in your business. You don't get the chance to think about. So yeah. thanks. And as you know, I like asking questions about those, about those big things and um, recognizing that uh, you and I have a, have a consultant client relationship I'm not going to ask you to share your secret stuff, but you can share whatever you want with the community about what you're doing. And then we'll, we'll have a, a conversation about that. So, so Chris, I think the first, uh, first question that I, I would just like to ask you is, could you just give us just a bit of a profile of uh, what you're doing now and how you got there with respect to the uh, ventures that you've been involved in? Sure. Um, you know, I'll probably use a, a, our, we we have a investment business that was created after the divestiture one of our one of our companies uh, in 2020 and and you know, so we're involved in a number of operating businesses but the biggest one in our portfolio which we have total control of essentially and I'm the CEO of is how I'll probably refer to a lot of the things we talked about today because it's certainly the one that um, you know required the most thought needed the most thinking your guide your guidance and um, you know and, and assistance uh, was important in helping along the way and so that that's a company called we know training um, it was formerly part of a bigger company called yardstick testing and training um, we essentially started as a software application that uh, allowed people to deliver exams online so kind of multiple choice uh, you know at its origin exams um, this is going back 20 years now when that original software is developed that evolved in, in about, you know, to, to the point we sold it, uh, from about 2015 to 2020, uh, into uh, the largest testing company and software and test administration, which became like we were involved in delivering exams. We had psychometric consultants on staff, about 10 people, I think with PhDs that, uh, assisted organizations, primarily regulators or level of government in developing assessments and exams and managing their exam programs. We sold the exam business in 2020 uh, to an American uh, strategic acquirer, uh, and we kept the online training part of that business. It was roughly it was roughly two halves uh, in terms of size, um, and uh, what then became We Know Training, which was just a rebrand, which was necessary in that transaction. And, and we now provide um, online training, essentially at its core. Uh, on top of our technology, which is designed to essentially, uh, you know, serve, uh, you know, online training audiences, primarily external online trained audiences, and that'd be for regulators, government, associations. Um, and those are our customers in this case. So we'll deliver alcohol and server training for the government of BC. And you don't, you don't see us there at all. It's, it's just us actually doing all of that, facilitating it in our 
on top of our technology and us building the e-learning content and stuff of that nature. And that's about 25, 30% of our business. And the rest would be where we own the brands. Um, and uh, that would be everything from health and safety training under a brand we acquired in 2016 called Danatech, uh, which has grown you know fairly significantly in terms of the number of titles and training uh, programs that we deliver, uh, finance, insurance, real estate, mortgage training, and that kind of uh, professional and financial services realm. We have uh, a company called Business Career College. Um, we do we do work with uh, cannabis and alcohol training where we own the content. We run the cannabis training program for retail workers in Ontario under a brand called Cancel. Um, Guard Academy, Rello, a new real estate, online real estate school we developed. So yeah, at, at its core, it's, it is a training business first and foremost, where we have content that meets a standard, and that what that's what makes it different than your normal online training for inside your company. This is training that you have to take generally to comply with the regulation, or to become licensed, or to maintain your license, like continuing education, uh, or to maintain a credential or a certification. So, regulated industries, online training, uh, but we have an, a unique uh, approach in that we have our own technology that's kind of like a Shopify. So. When we refer to our training websites, we call them storefronts, uh, and we operate hundreds of storefronts that sell online training on top of our tech. And so it's a very much a tech-enabled training business that uh, focuses on regulated industries. So uh, you said Rello was one of your new ones, and I've seen those billboards up around um, in Alberta. Um, and so you have a digital storefront, but you advertise in other ways to get people to your digital storefronts. And then um, one of the things I think that I understand from what you're saying is a lot of times the courses that people take, give them access to um, new professions or advancement in the, in the careers that they they have. Yeah. Mo- most of, so you kind of have the big categories would be a licensure training. So that's training that's required to get a license. So some professions are regulated by a license. So, uh, you know, obvious ones would be medical professions and uh, real estate. And if you want to sell insurance or financial products, um, you know, that, that would be an example of a licensure. And then you have credentialing organizations, which are generally the same principle, but just not as much regulated by the government or a regulator or a college or a royal college. Uh, credentialing organizations could be associations. They can be organizations that, that exist just to, to create that designation or credential. And so you'd be familiar with that as a, you know, as a CPA or, a, uh, you know, certified financial planner. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, in almost virtually every industry, there's uh, and everything from like, those are professions we might readily know. And then you have things like, you know, industry trade associations around door people that install commercial doors. Well, they have programs to ultimately improve uh, the quality of the product or service being delivered at a higher standard. And, and so generally that's why a lot of associations exist uh, is to protect the standard of the industry that, that they're in. So uh, it's uh, if the people, community doesn't often see this layer of uh, training and education and certification that goes in and it's, it's around them everywhere. It's everything from restaurant businesses to it shops. Um, but, it's a very, very, uh, a very, very large market internationally, and uh, a very important one because obviously we're we're helping people, you know, attain and meet a higher standard when it comes to delivering professional products and services to their industry. So we all benefit from uh, qualified people on the other end of a of a transaction or the other end of a jackhammer or anything in between, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And obviously, health and safety. We we, we deliver hundreds of thousands of 
safety training programs a year. I mean, the, the direct benefit, of course, there is that you send people home to their families at the end of the day, that, that, you know, if they practice their work safely and, and for industry and for just society and community in general, that, that's why these, these matter. It's pretty cool. So a lot of times we hear about uh, acquisitions and mergers where there's some kind of integration that either happens or doesn't happen. And the, and the um, strategic objectives of the merger uh, might not happen because you can't actually put two organizations together very easily. You've done the opposite. So you had a yardstick and, and you took it apart and we're left with the part. What were some of the things that uh, were interesting about creating an organization that was uh, previously integrated into a, another organization? Well, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's the opposite of a merger, as you can as you can imagine, as you explained. It it, it you know it comes with uh, sometimes the opposite effect. Um, now, you have, you have to take it into consideration and, and in context of why we had to do it. You know, you have you have this two headed beast that you know that's constantly pulling you in two directions, and you know, so we struggled with that for many years. Um, and and, and you, you know, when you're growing. And, and Yardstick grew quite rapidly and, you know, kind of an average of about 25 to 30% annualized kind of compounded annualized growth rate. That, that, so that growth covers a lot of problems and it, you can, you can become a complacent, but every day you still have this struggle of, are we a testing company? Are we, you know, focused on exam delivery testing and, uh, you know, dealing primarily with regulators or are we an online training company? And those are very, very different markets. Uh, now we, we were smart enough to be able to recognize that and make that decision and separate the businesses um, a little bit before we actually sold it. So we saw this trajectory and we realized, but you know, the effect it has on everything from, you know, asset allocation, resource allocation, like capital and, you know, what should, what ideas should you invest in? Which new products should you build? Or in our case, software features that were required by each of those kind of use cases, they're very different. Uh, it was pretty evident probably five years, up to five years, at least maybe 10 before we, we ultimately made the decision to sell one that you, neither will be as successful as it could be if you kind of have to share uh, how much attention you give them. And uh, so that was the rationale after the fact you, you do get end up with a, you know, a, kind of an overhang, I guess, of uh, things like overhead, um, you know, I, IT and technology. So platform, uh, some of these things that were, you know, designed to serve two purposes, it, it actually takes a significant amount of focus and work to clean it all off and only have on, you know, the, if you want to, if you want to call the business, you know, uh, a vehicle, we, we had to get all the, like I would use a, an airport analogy or an airplane analogy. We had to get the ice off the wings, you know, the ice builds up over time and your effectiveness, your ability to climb or fly, uh, you know, can be, uh, can be affected. And so over time, you got to kind of go back and clean everything up again and get it into a, a much, at least a much more focused and a much ideally, hopefully much more elegant organizational structure and stuff like that. You know, we, we, and then the, the literally the month after we sold the testing business, uh, COVID hit, which, uh, was a real blessing to that business, which luckily we were, we were still shareholders of that to some degree. Um, but, you know, it affected our training business and kind of like everyone else that was affected by that, it kind of threw on its head what, uh, you know, what were the immediate drivers, which were the products that were going to just not sell for a while, which ones kind of exploded. And, uh, and so we had, a, we had that valley that we walked through for a while. It was awfully, awfully challenging. We had a lot of extra overhead. Uh, we had uh, lack of clarity and focus on 
the company we wanted to be. We still had all these uh, parts of the company we were. And, uh, you know, so it really probably took a year and a half, two years to get to where we are now. And, and you know, you've been integrally helping us, um, you know, kind of certainly gather focus and uh, clarity. Well, uh, well, we'll get to, to that part in a second. I just want to go back to one thing you said. Um, and you said that uh, you, you had, you, when you were operating the two businesses, testing and training, you had, you had to allocate your attention between them. And that, and that was limiting both of them. And one of the things that we, we talk about a lot on this podcast in Essential Dynamics is that uh, management attention is one of the core resources of an organization and there's only so much. And you really can't make more, right? Like you can, you, you can add to your executive team, but then it takes supervision if you have a 20-person executive team. So you can't just add capacity. So, so using and allocating your management attention is very important. So one of the things that you did... Um, just as an example to, you know, other, other listeners is you, you cleaned up your business by saying these parts operate together and these parts operate together and they're splitting our attention. So we're going to focus on one and let someone else focus on another. And I think that's, that's pretty significant. So, so you have this new business that you're, you're trying to, uh, to get all the pieces together. Um, and, you know, I, I have opportunity to talk to you about that at some point. And, and we come up with this concept, which we've talked about on, on the podcast before, of a business model, or as we like to call it, a value creation system. Um, what, what was the process like for you to have it in your head and then have it in front of your team? Like, maybe not, we don't need to necessarily jump into how you did it. We can talk about that in a bit, but but what was different for you when your team understood the business model compared to when it was all in your head? Um, well, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's in virtually every entrepreneur's head, it would be fairly clear what they're trying to accomplish with their idea. You know, I think regardless of that idea. Um, and then, you know, we rely on everything, you know, humans ability to communicate uh, time distraction and other things. And sometimes that message just, it doesn't transcend through an organization, um, even from one layer to the next. So as a CEO, uh, you know, I suppose part of my role, big part of my role is obviously is, you know, the vision and communicating it to folks. And, uh, and I struggled because we have a complex model, uh, you know, so we, we're a house of brands, if you will, we have, you know, safety training. And the next, next thing over here, we have real estate training and, uh, and you, you know, in, in each of those industries, from an, at least from an education perspective, those are typically served by individual organizations that only focus on that subject matter expert, as our subject matter. And that's really, really good for us because that's part of our consolidation strategy. We can find these really smart, great schools that teach certain things that have online training, you know, either it's, it's, a, it's a great way to get in, you know, to, to scale their business, but they don't have the capital to invest in online training infrastructure, uh, or they do, but they don't have the capital or the will to, you know, to diversify their offering. And so you have these small mom and pops that are generally very good educators. So to me, that whole model has been clear. Um, what was missing was, you know, well, what's a business model? You know, I mean, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's a way to, uh, to structure and describe uh, what you do. It's, uh, it's a way to report on how you do and how you're performing um, in terms of management information. And, and so it was, it was always in my head why we could build this. And, and this is a really important part of this, this scalable 
thing. I, I didn't want it to be, um, you know, I didn't want it to be six standalone brands that have their own technology, their own financial department, their own uh, even sales and marketing. Like we really felt strongly that we could have these support operations as we call them now um, that can support, you know, unlimited or at least it be agnostic to what type of training delivery is being delivered. But the customer, uh, they aggregate around the topics. So and what I mean by that is, the real estate industry, people that want to get a real estate license, uh, you know, generally that is a community. Uh, it's regulated by a real estate regulator. There's real estate associations. There's other schools that are typically real estate schools. So we had to learn how to be able to be, you know, to present our value to the, the those industries in a way that they understand. It's a brand that understands. It's in their words, their industry's words and voice. But I wanted to build this scalable business. And uh, there's a few models, uh, sorry, there's a few companies in North America that we are trying to emulate. And um, if it was in my head, uh, I can explain it, but I can't be in every room. Um, you know, when you hire, you know, that, even just the next level in an organization, so say a director of sales, um, and they're leading salespeople across all these different verticals, uh, it gets hard. For, they're put in a position immediately to have to, you know, how do you prioritize each of these different things? And so it's it basically creating a model where we track, you know, where certain costs are, where, you know, how revenue is recorded, cost of goods, uh, and this value creation model, that, you know, that, that we that we basically designed um, just allowed me to now make it a training product as opposed to, um, you know, for people to guess what it means and then interpret that when they go and run their department or run that part of the business. So, so it's just, it's really, it's kind of like a blueprint for a house that I knew exactly what the house would look like, but I, I just couldn't get a blueprint spit out of my mouth. And, and that blueprint has to, uh, you know, do everything, provide, you know, provide guidance on your financial chart of accounts to, um, you know, hopefully tracking metrics like financial metrics or impact or performance. You know, we have a, dual purpose organizations, as you're well aware. And one is, it's not just about financial sustainability. It's also about uh, learning impact, like making a true difference in the, in the lives of the people that take our training. So, so once we got that model figured out, we could figure out everything else, our organizational structure, we could figure out uh, training requirements, uh, obviously uh, management systems that we need to run our business. I, w I want to grab onto that dual purpose organization for a second and uh let her list, take our listeners back to some very early episodes when we talk about purpose X and purpose Y. So you guys have run with that. And um, tell me about the two purposes again and just elaborate on those and, and, and maybe how that helps you make good decisions in the organization. Sure. Um, well, the first one is probably most obvious and most evident. I mean, we are here to, um, you know, to, to build a sustainable company uh, financially that, you know, generates the margins it needs to, to reinvest in new content, new product areas and, and, uh, and or new, you know, product features like software development or market development through our BD activities. So, so financial sustainability is the key. Like obviously it's the key in virtually any entity for profit or not. I think it, it does need to be able to be sustained. Uh, so that was the first, that is our, you know, definitely a, a, a one of our purposes. But when we try to, you know, key back to why we exist and why we're here, um, then it's not about financial sustainability. It's really about, you know, making a difference in people's lives with the training. And, and because we're in industries that are primarily regulated or fall under regulation, uh, this training matters. And so I like to, I like to use those terms. Now, you know, we focus and help, you know, deliver training that matters. And what we mean by that 
is obviously protecting the public. Um, you know, uh, the things that, you know, training can make a difference for in terms of uh, how a profession serves their customers or their industry. So that, you know, that second purpose is really about, you know, impact. And um, you can't, you, I just don't believe you can be financially sustainable if the product that you deliver doesn't meet a bigger purpose or a higher purpose. And in this case for us, that's, uh, that's making a difference in people's lives. They want to better themselves in their career. Um, that we want to avoid a serious incident or fatality in the workplace. Uh, the, the public wants to protect uh, citizens in a real estate transaction or in an alcohol or drug situation where there's, you know, inherent uh, risks to the community. So it's, it's really, that's our first purpose. And, and if we do that well, obviously it should drive us towards a more financially sustainable entity. So those, uh, there are trade-offs to that from time to time. Um, things like pricing or how much effort you put into uh, putting the material together and stuff like that. Uh, but they're guided uh, by trying to accomplish both of these things. And um, is that something that always comes to you or is down the, up and down the line, people can use the model and the purposes to make, you know, what, what are good decisions on both sides? You know, I, I'd be honest and say that I, I didn't look at our, you know, impact purpose as often as necessary. And, and what I've noticed is in the, in the, in the real widespread adoption of us talking about that, and we have some real champions of organization naturally who are very passionate about that. Cause that's why people come to work. It's, you know, it's not always, and generally, you know, you can find an income almost anywhere. So, so the impact in, in our core purpose of uh, training that matters is, uh, is a big thing. And I see it now regularly when we, you know, we're balancing the, how much to invest versus the quality and the outcome and, and always wanting to have, you know, the highest impact possible, um, you know, and, and so, and that's why we choose to be in regulated industries. Like obviously we could be in like soft skills training programs that are unregulated and there'd be no scrutiny on, um, you know, the competency framework for that training or the, you know, what does success look like in terms of measurable outcomes. And, um, but we didn't want to be that. We want to be in a highly scrutinized, highly regulated, um, you know, I'd call it important uh, sectors because uh, we're prepared for that. And partly because in our DNA, when we were a testing company, we tested for that. So, you know, in regulated industries, you, you take your training from, you know, approved or accredited educators, and then you go and you write an exam. And that's generally facilitated by the regulator, or by government. And so we're very comfortable in that world and we believe in it. And we think that the world's going to become more regulated over, over less regulated uh, as time goes on. And for us, it, it was a perfect alignment of what our actual impact was. We want to train people well, and we wanted to make an effect or have an effect on their lives. Uh, but also, also serves the needs of the industries we work in, you know, so we swim towards the highest standard. We, we're, we're pushing constantly in every one of our sectors uh, for more and more standard and whatever that means. So like obviously trying to prevent online training fraud, uh, low quality content, you know, stuff that doesn't have an impact, you know, the click and complete check, you know, check the box that I got uh -huh. my training, but I, I don't, or I had, you know, I got my, nephew to do my boat license because i i really didn't want to take the four hours it did to do that and so we, we do everything we do to prevent those types of things which ultimately you know could dilute the effectiveness of the training and and and, and ultimately upheave what the intent of the, the regulated industry is uh one of the things we talked about on the show a lot is um individuals having a sense of purpose that aligns with their organization and how much easier it is when people are motivated to uh, 
sort of adjust and coordinate and line things up rather than to try and get people to do stuff they're not inclined to do. So, so it sounds like you have a lot of people in your organization who really identify with that uh, make the world better purpose, that impact purpose that you have. Yeah. And, and, you know, specifically the business model and the systems we've been able to develop since that model has been identified, we always look at both those things. So we can measure um, financial impact and we can measure learner impact it, literally with real data that we can track on a day-to-day basis in real time, aggregate that we could have a, you know, kind of red, yellow, green light uh, in our organization for both those things. And we just want to keep the green line at all times. Like we're not, we're trying to be, you know, not, not have financial unsustainability because we've got the world's best training that nobody can afford to buy uh, or vice versa. Of course, that, you know, yeah. it's one thing to be financially profitable, but if you're selling crap, um, you know, that's not sustainable. So we, we, we have really engineered now it's, t- it's a long process and it's nowhere, nowhere, we're no longer far along as I'd hope to be, but we're certainly engineering all of these abilities for us to now, um, measure if our models successful or not in real time. And that, that was, that was ultimately what I really wanted more than anything. So, so Chris, we're just about time, but I want to run over a couple of minutes because there's one other thing I want to cl- put together and close off. And that is that you, you use the word scalable and you said, if we have our systems in place, if we have that model defined, then we're more scalable. And um, so that that's, I guess, the other way to improve your impact is just to do more in more places. And so you've built a machine that allows you to do that. Is that right? Yeah. So, and again, I didn't have the words for it, but I think you and I, when we were going through this and you were guiding me and, and, you know, I guess putting my thoughts to paper um, and the constraint analysis that you did. So I wasn't familiar with that as a management you know, technique or, but, but when it, it became so evident that our constraint was not our technology. So technology enables almost infinite amount of scaling uh, in terms of servers and one we're selling ones and zeros over the internet. Um, so that, that was not a constraint and our constraint was really about our business development, our ability to go to market and, and, uh, and either having to invest in our own content or partner or uh, acquire in, in, in our case, we've done some tuck in acquisition. And when it became evident, that was our constraint. The whole organization can start to realize, well, that should be where we focus the vast majority of our efforts perfect what are, you know, those things that allow us to scale. So our platform and our technology and our management systems, um, but invest heavily in where we, uh, where we do have a constraint, which would just be capacity in business development, sales, marketing. And, uh, and that's definitely starting to pay off. And that, that just, just having that understanding allowed our whole organization to know what to focus on and what not to focus on. Chris, this has been fantastic. There's so much more we could talk about, but we're out of time. And I think you make, you made the case for a, that kind of thoughtful examination of your business model and, um, and, and putting it together in, in a way that makes sense for your organization and it's unique every place. So I, uh, I'm really excited with what you're doing and um, like to have a conversation again. Uh, but I think we're going to move to another topic next time. So we'll see, we'll see what we come up with. Um, so, so Chris, thanks very much. Um, Bryn, thanks. Uh, thanks to Bryn Griffiths for uh, making this recording possible. And I would just like to say to everyone, uh, check us out at getunconstrained.com. And don't forget, consider your quest.
This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.